Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 94 of the Holtcast. I want to thank you for joining me. As always, I'm Jack Grimsey, and alongside me tonight is James Rushton. Thank you very much, Jack, for uh, having me on. Uh, despite all the stress of having to go down and vote today. But yeah, it's all good, man. Uh, we've got some exciting things to talk about. And uh, yeah, we've got a number of questions today. Probably one of the best days ever for questions. So yeah. Yeah, certainly. Certainly didn't look like it. And then we put out another tweet asking for questions. And you guys responded really well right before the episode. So excited to get to those. But first, the news that we've kind of been waiting to talk about. We haven't been on in a couple weeks. So I appreciate you coming back and listening to us. But Tony Shaw now... He has passed the fit and proper test, James, and everything's official. Well, one thing to so we know how to say his last name um, because the man himself said it, Shah. Shah, S-H-A-H. And, uh, yeah, he looks like a good guy. He's come in, and uh, he's under no illusions. He wants this year to go well, and he certainly bankrolled it with the first signing um, pretty much in- instantly. Um, Di Matteo's manager, Tony Shah's in charge, and now we've got a new centre-back, Tommy Alphick, so it's all, all full steam ahead. Exactly, exactly. And what what do you think about about all this? It's got to be just the best thing for the club that, and really in recent memory. Oh yeah, as I've uh, said multiple times, I mean, if a man passes the FA and the Football League's fit and proper persons test, and he's uh, bored, pass the directors test. There's nothing as we as fans can do. It's all in our hands. Let's sit back and enjoy the ride. Um, it's going to be fun. Unless you have more money than him, you know. <laughs> you want to buy him out. But um, even then, he has to put the club up for sale, doesn't he? I don't think uh, aggressive takeovers work that much in uh, in football, especially if it's uh, someone's property like it was Randy Lerner's and like it is now Tony Shah's. Um, but yeah, it looks good. It feels good. And all the uneasiness has drained from me. I feel good that it's passed the test. There's nothing we can do. You know, it's all good. Yeah, I was honestly I was more relieved about the manager appointment, Roberto Di Matteo. Wasn't one of the names um when the manager search kind of began. Wasn't one of the wasn't one of the bookies' favorites, but I really I think he's probably one of the the three best we could get. I think Moyes was everyone's number one. Yeah. And you don't always get your your number one choice, but I think it was it's a really good appointment and most importantly it wasn't Nigel Pearson. No, of course not. I mean, uh, Dimitri came out of nowhere, really. That one day, his uh, odds exploded, and then all of a sudden, he's here. It's uh, really incredible. It's uh, how it turned around. I think we were all set for Pearson, all set for Moyes, and uh, it all turned around, and uh, Di was in charge. I, didn't, I don't think we all expected the uh, magnitude of this takeover, as well as the impressive uh, level of manager we've now got, which is really cool. Um, yeah, manager that's won a European Cup. You don't win it by accident, do you? No, even if you're Peter With and it hits your shin. You're listening to The Holdcast with Jack Grimsey and Robert Lintott. It looked like Di Matteo was Tony Shaw's guy for from the beginning of time, as far as I can tell. Uh, he, it's, he was yeah, you know, guy. you could just you could scrub twenty sixteen off the calendar and just put one at after Tony, like you yeah, know. straight done. <laughs> uh, Villa, I, I will uh, go ahead and answer one of our uh, Twitter questions early because it does link in very well. 
and Villa really have control or deleted this uh, season. It's gone. Um, they've started fresh. There's pretty much zero focus on what happened last year. They're starting really fresh, and it looks as almost that we've reset everything, and all these players that we wanted to get rid of are here as depth options now, which is crazy. We thought we were going to you know, set for a, a summer outload where we'd lose loads of players, but it doesn't look like anyone's coming for anyone yet. Which is A, no, disappointing no. in some cases, and B, good for others. Yeah, and you'd, you'd certainly want to rid Lescott and Richards, but if you think about it, maybe they'll be good enough in the championship, if they, if, especially if they're not first choice. They can only mess up so much if they're on the bench all the time. Well, but if you think about it, it's an unprecedented level of depth for Aston Villa. If they don't sell anyone, I mean, when have we ever had a season where we've got two right backs who could start, or four, five centre backs, or three left backs? We've never had that. We've always had like one or two, um, for as long as I can remember, and that's always been our downfall that we've never had enough options. And now we do, despite them those options being bad. But I'd rather those options be terrible than have no options at all and have to be forced to play. Yeah, there's another drop off in quality from maybe one of your stars in the team to someone in the academy because course, yeah. like you're saying there is depth. And you know, that's I think that's really important especially if Villa do go up because look at the sides who've come of Watford especially I think obviously Leicester but Burnmouth as well where Tommy Elphick is from. Uh you know, they they replace some players but they made smart purchases within their means and haven't gone bust and they're able to to gradually change the squad you know a couple pieces every year yeah um hopefully Aston Villa can emulate those teams and build on with lots of depth I mean of course you want you know and even Norwich I think that was that was a big downfall for Norwich and no depth uh, teams fail when a major player gets injured and you can't have a next man up and you can't replace them so yeah, uh, depth is uh, it's so important for Aston Villa, and even if those options are Julian Lescott or Michael Richards, if they're substitute options, you can't go wrong. Yeah, and you know if if we ended up being stuck having to keep them, but that meant that we would keep Jordan Amavi and Jordan Ayu and Ghana or something like that. I mean, yeah. we're obviously not keeping all them, but like if so, then that's okay. Of course, yeah, yeah. It's all, it's all looking uh, quite rosy for us Villa fans right now. I know, yeah. People are like, "How are you dealing with with relegation?" I was like, "Well, you know, what relegation? I accepted it in in November, and now we're gonna try to go up." Yeah, it's uh so glad it's over and done with. I'm real. Yeah, you know, like some people, I get questions from people sometimes. That's like, "Is is seventy five hundred still gonna be around?" I was like, "What the what? fuck?" Like, <laughs> excuse me. Relegation is far from the end for Aston Villa. Um, this is one of the I was like, days, you know, yeah. there's a bolt, a Bolton blog at SB Nation, and I've that been, house is, has away. been eliminated. That's a that's a former great house, you know. It's dead now. If you, yeah. I hope it's not a spoiler for you, but <laughs> um, you yeah. know, I spoiled it for my mom right after the episode, so I I kind of felt bad. But oh god, <laughs> I, I have people now every week unfollowing me on Twitter and. The kid next to me at work unfollowed me on Snapchat for, for yeah. having spoilers of Game of Thrones. But, but yeah, uh, House Bolton have been relegated to what League One now, and uh, things are bad for Aston Villa. Things were bad for Aston Villa, but there are so many other teams which are in far 
Dortmund, dire circumstances. Then. Like, think oh, about Wigan. Wigan would get zero fans. They did a double dip, and they've come back up. They're in the championship now after winning League One. Yeah, uh, hardly and, you know fashionable teams. And of course, they were massively unlucky to go to, <laughs> twice in a row. But yeah, you know, if you have depth, like you were just saying, James, that's it makes it much much harder. Yeah, you know, it eliminates it eliminates chance to a degree. Yeah, um, depth is so important. It's so good. Even if the players are bad, you need them there for, you know, you can't... You know, a bad right back is, is much better than playing no right a back. decent left back at right back. Yeah, I mean, like, if you get your starters and then those depth options, you can't go wrong because Villa had Alan Hutton or Michael Richards to choose from last year. They didn't have someone they could... And, you know, Mark Richards didn't even want to play right back. So they didn't even have one person. Say that like you think he wanted to play centre-back. Mark Richards wanted to play centre-back. He didn't want to defend. He wanted to... (laughs) He should be... He he, He wanted to play the Matuidi water-carrying midfield role and run all over the pitch. I think that'd actually be a pretty good role for him because he doesn't like to... uh... Stay back in position, does he? He likes to he win. He would like run into someone and get hurt with, and I don't know. There's a lot of people in the it's middle of midfield sometimes. That Tim Sherwood would make someone like Kyle Walker play as a winger, you know, because it suited his you know pace and skill set. But he wouldn't make Michael Richards a midfielder. He just stick him in centre back. The most the player who wonders from the ball so much. The player who runs up like, does these surging runs, and you're like. Hang on. <laughs> I feel like I feel like Spurs had just sold Bale for truckloads of cash and thought they'd crack the code and they were going to turn another defender into a winger. Yeah, just but, not. Yeah, I don't know how much Sherwood. If, yeah, that's a pretty good, pretty big knock against Sherwood <laughs> if that was his idea. Awful. And imagine if we would have rehired Sherwood as some people wanted to. Obviously, there was no way back for him. And you just can't do that because you'd be a very incompetent organization. But that's not the point. Like if. If you wanted Sherwood back, that I, I think that really says something. Yeah, Tim Sherwood wasn't a great football just, manager. Let's just forget about that yeah. time. He was a nice <laughs> guy, cool. Yeah, he was fun. Yeah, take it. Yeah, take it away. We can't talk about Tim Sherwood. He was always entertaining. You know. Yeah, I don't have a, a problem a with him base. as a man. I hope he does well. But a man with the least impact on the football club, who we talk about the most. Yeah, uh, I mean, there were some great days under him, but God. God, that FA Cup was depressing. <laughs> um, so you could get consigned to memory forever now. Yeah. Uh, one player who we saw far too much of under Tim Sherwood, Kieran Richardson, he's now left the club as well as a host of others, including Charles Nzogbia and, unfortunately, in my opinion, Lewis Kinsella, who never really got a chance under yeah, either Tim Benji Sherwood or Remy Gard, or even worse, Josh Eric Webb Black. On as well. Janoi uh, Donacia gone. Uh, lots of players who got chance who never got a chance. I mean, Benji Seagrest was out on loan at Solihull Moors and Wickham last year. Um, and considering Aston Villa don't aren't really secure goal goalkeeping goalkeeping wise. I mean, we have got Brad Guzan. Who seems at least to get him on the bench. A bit of form in the Copa America ish, but um, I mean, yeah, to sack all these players off, it's good. I mean, there was some wasters there, Richardson and Exobia mainly, um, but. You know, Villa have got a history of getting rid of these youth players that then go on to achieve instead of creating this cohesive unit. And then, you know, it just uh, it does annoy me um, when these players... That's the thing with a goalkeeper, though, is they're not going to develop for so long. 
Yeah. And if you're going to sign someone good, okay, but we don't have anyone good at the moment. So, yeah. Well, you always keep three goalkeepers, don't you? You have the, the bench option, the depth option, and the starter. So why can't Aston Villa keep these academy products as that third option? I mean, Benji's... Yeah, in- on 6K a week, you know. Yeah, it's not going to harm them. Um, I mean, he's never going to play, but it's 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 good. It's good. And uh, now we've got Jed Steer and Brad Guzan and Mark Byrne. Uh, so yeah, there does need to be improvement there. So uh, that's Villa's released players. Nothing special. Just glad to see the back of Richardson and Enzogbia. Uh, two absolute passengers, uh, mainly Enzogbia. Don't really have much against Richardson. He didn't really do much or was that bad. But um, yeah, I was just annoyed that we signed him for two years when we signed him. Yeah, I mean he's uh, he was free and he scored like early in his career, but yeah, whatever, he's dull. Yeah, so yeah, that's Villa's released players. Uh, what's what have we got next? Yeah, um, I was just gonna say. Meanwhile, Lover Kalinic is the third choice goalie for um, Croatia at yeah. Euro twenty sixteen. Impressive so. Croatian team among others at Euro twenty sixteen, including uh, our uh, big guy on the blog, uh, editor Ellis Sanford, supporting the Welsh team who have uh, smashed all expectations. To be fair, won won the group, huh? Yeah, won the group and. Uh, you know the Welsh team have done so well, but I really do think. Hang on, you got a player with one of the, you got a team with one of the best players in the world here. How can everyone sleep on you? Same with Iceland, you know. You have and these you've teams. got you've got a team where the the rest the rest of them they're just a great unit, and unlike unlike Sweden, they play as a team and they're not one man. You know, their bails maybe not as intimidating as Ibrahimovic for obvious reasons, but. But yeah, I mean, uh, well, Zlatan, Zlatan was burned out. He scored fifty goals in fifty-one games last season, and then that's he's played a lot of minutes. He's old. It's almost like people at at like these teams are bad, and then they do good, and they're so surprised. And it's like I don't know how you can be. They had a great qualifying campaign. Why are you surprised? Yeah, International football. I get is weird. it when the people from Wales are surprised because you know they've un- not oh, yeah. underachieved, but they've been. I remember tw- ten or fifteen years. We just had them every qualifying campaign and swept them away even with Ryan Giggs you know uh, Craig Bellamy with all these good players we just swept them under the rug uh, we, we battered them I understand Welsh people you might have been surprised at this achievement but I wouldn't go as far to say oh my god this is crazy um, they did well and uh, it was a shame that England beat them it was very very unfortunate very came down to you know a last minute goal which this Euros has been famous for but there's these teams you know tight teams with great players you know Hungary Iceland Wales among them that you know, a through Northern Ireland are the over real overachievers here. Crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's what they the you said they have 40, 40 professional yeah, players. Yeah, uh, one of the weird things is that I, I get why Iceland are assumed to be the smallest nation, but um, they're a well trained squad here. They've got seventy people. They, they beat the Netherlands home and away. Yeah, they're a well trained bunch of guys. Northern Ireland. Um, it's hard. The way the Irish FA works is you can choose players from either side. Of, of you know the Irish nation so each FA can pick and choose and most players do declare for the Republic because it's you know it's got more prestige on an international level if you want to small. actually qualify yeah. for the Euros but Northern Ireland only have 40 people to choose from um, you know at a professional level so it's very hard to put a side together um, you, you know you're forced into you, it's like Aston Villa you got, haven't got much depth and you know you have to beg, borrow and steal and they have really have achieved I mean not getting beat 7-1 by Germany puts them so high in, you know, the standards of, you know, world football now. It's crazy, especially when a team like Scotland can't qualify, you know, and Northern Ireland are there. 
completely overachieving. That's why I can't really say Wales are overachieving because if you look at Northern Ireland, they're the underdogs against Wales now and uh, Wales have smashed it. So Euro 2016 has been absolutely amazing so far and people didn't really seem to enjoy the first stages, um, you know, the first few games. But it's been a real surprise and a real bag of tricks. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why you, you like, I was watching games for six hours a day at work. It was amazing, even yeah. if it was I mean, a, one, a victory. But what, the first six games all were either, there was one draw and the rest were just victories by a single goal. I don't know. There's a lot of, as much as you can't use tactics at a national team level, there are some good managers there. Yeah, and I mean, it's and a... To top perfection. professionals, obviously, you know. I mean, on the other hand, you've got the Copa America where I think every team that was expected to kind of do well has done well, except Brazil. I mean, there's the outlier there. But uh, Brazil, Brazil totally chucked it, and Mexico got battered by Chile yeah. when Mexico was looking like one of the better teams at the tournament. Yeah, but um, they got beat by Chile, who I think you'd expect, maybe expect to do well. Um, they've got a very good team. But, um, you would, but a lot of a lot of people here in the U.S. Uh, were not really realizing that Chile is the the fifth ranked nation in the world. And last last night they played Colombia, who was third. And I, you know, I'd, it's insane, isn't it? I don't think too many people really knew that. But yeah, I don't know. Good. It's the FIFA rankings. Argentina is one, and I, what Germany's two, but they lost to Germany. I think. Mm-hmm. I think you you're it be number like one until you lose. One person's top until another team beats them and they go top. That'd be a yeah, exactly. At least at the, at least if if Germany don't win the Euros, then you can recrown Spain if they win it, or you could give it to Argentina when they win the Copa if they win the Copa. Yeah, and I they'll, think, play, uh, they'll play Chile. Don't want to ruin the structure here, but we've got a question. Since we're on Euro, the subject of Euro 2016, does one good performance, Jack, at Euro 2016, make a good player? I think the answer is obviously no. Uh, I mean, I think it depends on. On who the scout is. I mean, if you're the Northern Ireland keeper, Mick McGovern, then yeah. I mean, these Premier League clubs are looking at this player, you know, couldn't get a game at much games at Rangers. Um, so, yeah. I know of one keeper who's who's overperformed that could go to Villa probably for cheap and he'd probably even bring his own pants. <laughs> on Gabo Kirai. Um, yeah. Keeper. I remember Gabo. Yeah, that will, was before my time at Villa. I will write something about this one day. How this man has now become this great man, this eccentric goalkeeper, this you know relic of uh, again the you know, hashtag against modern football. This relic of a two thousands football that has somehow found his way into the limelight at Euro twenty sixteen. And it's so sad that he's become this buzzfeedy kind of joke. He's just man called out sweatpants of his keeper. Yeah. He's such a good guy. He's like a really eccentric, crazy guy, and people are just ripping the piss out of him. But yeah, I love this guy, uh, Gabo Kroy. He used to play for Villa. He's a bad. He's a bad goalkeeper. But uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what's hilarious that he's, he's been having a good tournament. Yeah, uh, he is uh, notorious. But yeah, it just it's Villa cool. had him on loan for what a month. Yeah, yeah, he's like sending him back to Palace, and he's one of the most <laughs> memorable goalkeepers that I can ever remember in my time supporting That's hilarious. But yeah, it's so sad that he's just become hashtag content for everyone. It's just, oh, yeah. it just make me, my heart swell. Because I do remember a time when uh, Gabble wore that Hummel kit for Aston Villa. And it was great. <laughs> no, I can't believe he's still alive, to be honest. <laughs> oh my gosh. Amazing. Yeah, still, still around at age 40. But yeah, I mean, I guess I guess we'll stay stay on the international tournaments a little bit before we get to, to Twitter questions. So... What 
You know, the the Euro format, it's only narrowed it down to 16 teams out of the 24 for the knockout yeah. stages. And it was being dubbed as easier to qualify than not to, which obviously that's a lie, but... Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, it's... It's interesting when you see teams like Netherlands weren't didn't even make it to the finals. Yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, obviously Iceland beat them, but they're in and, you know, a team like Croatia almost looks like they could be the favorite. They've been playing the best ball, probably. Yeah, I'm playing amazingly. Uh, Croatia, everyone says dark horses, which I think is a bit weird. And considering I'd consider someone like Wales a dark horse, like a real underdog. Um, Croatia, they've been quality for some time you know i don't think i think they were always had a shot of doing well in this tournament um so yeah i mean croatia have got a real shot of this yeah they have an old squad but it's also a very Good experienced squad, squad. Yeah. they they know how to play with each other and they know what works exactly exactly and um another player i think uh moving over to uh not the north american continent he's done well uh would you say Carlos Sanchez has done well. Not sure he has ish. He's done okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know. He he had a really good Copa last year. Yeah, I mean, but, but he got he got sent year. off last night every year. Yeah, basically. Yeah, that's crazy. No, it's not. It's every two. Oh man, that's still every two. They just did it. They just did a another one this year, <laughs> so they could make a lot of money. Oh, that's a bit weird. But I'll have I'll have something. About that, somewhere not seventy five hundred that you can read soon. Of course, yeah, Jack's been doing super well with uh, some analysis, some further analysis on various other websites. You know about uh, what's been happening at the Copa America. He's been there in person to a load of games. Yeah, the um, the four games at Chicago was great. Yeah, Chicago Soldier Field, where I believe the pitch has been ripped up into some kind of swamp ish kind of thing now. And there was I think mass- it. it, it drowned last night it was ridiculous and Colombia Colombia were attacking the end that was totally waterlogged and oh god sometimes the ball would just come to a dead stop on on a puddle and the other going the other way and the ref the referee was making some interesting decisions so uh how did you fall into the arms of a uh, Villa's Afro hero our own Colombian Carlos Sanchez then yeah, yeah. So I went, I went down to the mix zone after the match, and he was just was standing, <laughs> standing there for about half an hour waiting and wondering why I even went down. Because so far, all the Spanish teams, Spanish-speaking teams that have played at Copa in Chicago, haven't done one word of, of oh. English in their answers. Like not at the press conference, they have translator headsets that you can put on. Yeah, it'd be pretty difficult. That probably wouldn't be good for to record, and they. The organization has been reluctant to provide additional material. But, um, yeah, anyway, um, I was waiting, waiting down there, and Colombia was walking by. And just finally at the end of at the, end of the Colombian chain of players, Carlos Sanchez had been talking to um, what I assume was Colombian media or at least other Spanish-speaking media from, from the area. After the match, he got a red card for... He picked up a yellow in the 41st and then a second yellow in the 57th minute. And it's uh, it's only 16 minutes in time, but it was like three hours apart because of a two and a half hour rain delay. <laughs> but yeah, so he, so he got sent off. He was talking to Spanish media. He came down the line and I asked him, I asked him about Villa and his future there. So we're actually going to have the interview audio 
in here for you. It's very short. It's about 40 seconds. Um, he didn't he didn't really have a lot of time. He was on his way to the bus after being at the stadium three hours later than anyone planned due to the weather. Yeah, so. to be in a hurry. It was, it was yeah. crazy. We got out of there at like one. But how amazing is it but, that you know we have we don't even have to tell you what Carlos Sanchez said about Villa. You can actually hear it, and Jack went out and got that for you after waiting so long. At a Copa America match delayed because of weather, but Carlos Sanchez was there, so uh, Jack got to speak to him. Yeah, I didn't ask him about the red card. I didn't really feel like. <laughs> of course uh, not. But yeah, you got he, the scoop, man. He, he, he just scoop. seemed like he just seemed like a nice guy. He was still still kind of smiling, you know, and um, I mean, obviously, he's a huge dude. He's thick he's built but like you know i don't know why people he, he could play center back in in the championship next year why not but yeah man i think uh that's a good plot time to lead into your audio of uh you speaking to uh, our own carlos sanchez so uh here's jack interviewing carlos sanchez carlos do you think you're staying at aston villa this summer uh yeah uh, um uh, after after the Copa America, uh, I will go to, to Aston Villa because it's my team. I have two years contract with us, so I need to be back. Are you excited for the with the new ownership and new manager coming in? You think yeah, it's a good yeah, chance for you? Yeah, yeah, because it's a new start, so I'm, I'm very excited. Okay, thanks, Carlos. Yeah, so I hope you all enjoyed my interview with Carlos Sanchez. You probably saw the the text of that on 7500 yesterday on Thursday. But Colombia, they'll be facing the United States on Saturday in the third place game at Copa America. And Sanchez will be suspended from that game after picking up the yellow. Looked like he may have faced Brad Guzan, but Guzan's played every game so far and it'll probably be Tim Howard. Ah, poor Brad. I think he's uh, done all right. He hasn't done too terribly. I mean, he got battered. He got cooked he in got cooked the third <laughs> minute against Argentina. He was caught in no man's land. It was better or worse than when he punched Trudini in the face and it still went in. Yeah, uh, but yeah, he's done all right for the ma- the majority of his time in this tournament. It's just a shame he couldn't be there when it mattered, but I think that's pretty much sums up Brad Guzan's career. That sums up the United States yeah. against Argentina. They were not winning that game. <laughs> even oh. if the best 11 players in the united states all played the best game of their career they're not going to beat messi playing at 50 percent. i don't know it's messi's a god but yeah i mean uh, aston villa's keeper can't hold up against uh the talisman of uh, barcelona at all even if it is in the uh, cup america in a uh, quarterfinal was it semi-final even yeah, last oh, wow. yeah, last yeah. night last night was a semifinal, so semifinal the second yeah. semifinal, and the United States lost the semifinal on Monday. So moving to the third place playoff, but yeah, I can't believe you managed to get Carlos Sanchez. That's amazing. I know. I was thrilled, especially. I tried to talk to Guzan after the U.S. beat Costa Rica four 0 a couple weeks ago, and he was walking down to the locker room, and I shouted, "Hey, Brad, you have a, a moment to talk about Villa?" And I didn't exactly hear what he said, but it kind of sounded like "f off." Really. So, I just I just left it, but I couldn't really hear what he said, so I don't oh I don't want to say I don't want to say that he said that, but I think <laughs> it'd be hilarious if, if he told me that. Brad Guzan told uh, Aaron Jack Grimsley he just wanted the word about Aston Villa just to fuck off. And I, um, I just said, yeah, maybe he was chewing chewing gum. Um, who knows? You know, he's got a lot of time for chewing chewing gum. Yeah, I don't know, but I asked I asked Klinsman. I said, hey hey Jurgen, do you have a minute? And he just looked at me and said, no. <laughs> 
That's, I just couldn't even stop laughing. It was, it was hilarious, but... Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, I could, unfortunately, I couldn't get a picture with Sanchez. They, uh, I tried to get one on my Snapchat, but uh, the lady saw it and walked over right away, and I just showed her I deleted it because I didn't want her to smash my recorder with me talking to Carlos Sanchez on it, so... That's horrible. Yeah. But yeah, Jack, what, what more content can we bring to the folks today? What have we got? Um, yeah, well, we kind of skipped around our schedule, moved up Copa and Euro, so that means it's time for Twitter questions. Why not? And I'm you not got you got to see. one already. Uh, let's get to the first one we got earlier today. Of course, the food question from Tyler Fisher at tfisher21, also here in Chicago. Since I know you need spaghetti emoji questions, I think you meant food questions. If you <laughs> if you got to spend time in the kitchen with one Villa player, who would it be? And a little bit before this. I was inst- I was regretting so badly not asking Carlos Sanchez what his favorite oh. English or British food is. I think that would have been hilarious. I think I'd like to cook with Carlos Sanchez saying that. I I think oh. Carlos Hill would would make a better paella. Like that, I bet he could make some Valencia stuff. Alan, but... Alan Hutton just eats deep fried Mars bars and no, I feel like he eats like raw like livers or something. <laughs> they just you're like hunting in the Highlands in like, Scotland and like that's the only thing available. No, like the inside of a tauntaun, like pretty oh, innocent, not God. like an evil evil killer, just God. just a, a hard man, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I think i got to go for Carlos Sanchez on that. Yeah, oh, I don't know. I feel like Rudy would cook some good stuff. Yeah, and you give it, they would kindly donate to uh, that to the homeless folks. I'll yeah, that, go, that too. amazing. So yeah, he's a uh, cook enough to go around, certainly. I don't know if Brad Yeah, I don't know. That was, that was a good one. Yeah, plates or something. I'll drop the pans before the... What, what is Grealish cooked? Nando's? He doesn't cook. His mom cooks for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Carlos Hill, your choice? Yeah. Um, Why not, man? Why not? Yeah, I, I, I think so. Why not? Although, I don't know, maybe maybe one of the French guys, maybe Vertu... Didn't he get like homesick and really Make depressed something. for it? I don't think he'd be in the mood to cook for you. Yeah, I don't think his wife could cook in the hotel. You know, he got a newborn as well. Uh, you know, they'll have to prepare the food in the bathtub or something. Um, yeah. I don't want that. Disgusting. Just gross. Um, Maybe not. Who else? Scott. I'm trying to. You know, Gabby. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> it'd Already... be a burger, but the bun is it'd the burger. It'd be like a, a takeaway that was sitting outside since yesterday. He's like, hey, I got this pizza over here in it. And then you're like, okay. And it's just a Domino's that's It'd be half a pigeon that you hit in his car earlier. Just, here you go, mate. Just completely gift-wrapped. gift-wrapped or maybe it would just be something like totally amazing. Like... <laughs> He's a devil in the kitchen, Gabby. Yeah, he must be because he's a fat bastard. So, <laughs> you know, he must be getting that food in somewhere. Yeah, man. Yeah, you know, or I don't know if if, if Kozak, Czech food is pretty decent. Yeah, I mean, like, he can't really stand up for, for too long without... Oh, that's true. I think, yeah, I think I have, we have to go with, with Carlos Hill. I'll take Carlos Hill, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not, why not? Or Ashley Westwood, good old roast dinner, Ashley Westwood. Just Yeah, carver dinner. <laughs> just gravy and <laughs> chips and just like plain. Just boiled potatoes and ham or something or lunch and meats. 
corned beef. I feel like this that. this is the the wrong episode for Robert to miss. He definitely <laughs> definitely we could, have saved uh, that episode. Like... kitchen expertise. No, maybe he can write something on it for the site. That'd be good. But yeah, man, uh, I think we've pretty much covered it. who would love to eat. No, <laughs> we'd love to eat. <laughs> oh, that's dark. Sorry about that. I was uh, thinking too much about our uh, Hannibal Lecter reference. Who would like to eat with and get cooked for? cooked by oh my god this is just falling into cannibalism completely yeah, badly cook, yeah yeah Wait. um next next up uh ellis um the dragon himself the the whales fan ellis oh, sanford okay. asked you to speak some welsh James. okay what did ellis say to me earlier um, a bit of background i make a full ad uh, radio commercials in the Welsh language on a daily basis. So I've picked up some tips and I can tell you that Ellis voting in the EU referendum and six hours ago, Ellis Sanford had to go all the way up to Hlandindrod. Oh, fuck, I'm balls that up. Hlandindrod to do it. We'd better stay in it after all that effort. Just saying. There's also a place called Tanekaste, um, which makes biscuits and people always tell me I pronounce it wrong but I know it's right because I call up the company and that's how they say it but I get told it's right all the time so yeah that's all the Welsh I'm going to speak today uh, Tanekeste oh I can't say it now I'm under pressure Jack Tanekeste and Chlandrindod oh god I'm not speaking Welsh again uh, so I hope Ellis doesn't ask me that or we'll have to block him on twitter.com or we're just going to all go on a field trip to Iceland and, you know, <laughs> and not pronounce any of their language at all because it's one language that could be possibly harder than Welsh to say. How about that commentary, though? That was amazing. That was something. I think he wet himself. Um, but yeah, uh, Welsh is very hard to say. Uh, so I'm surprised a man can get his feelings out in Icelandic so, so eloquently. Yeah, you know, I don't really know. I don't really know how those letters made those sounds, but. I'm just like I know the LL in Welsh is kind of like flan, but like you have to almost cough in the middle. It's like how <laughs> how does this exist? Um, because the LL you'd think it would just be really strong L or something. I don't know, but yeah, well, oh, like the Spanish, like why, like how how half the people I meet in the US say Aston Villa because they think it's um that. <laughs> so that's Aston Villa. So is, Always a good, a good way to start off on the right foot. Um, <laughs> I think he's going to piss himself at me trying yeah, to... Yeah, you write for that Aston Villa blog. Mm. <laughs> at least it's not in Welsh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, speaking wow. of Welsh, Hal robson Carno is the upgrade on Rudy just said. Asked by... Uh, I, think of, I think of robson Carno as a winger. Yeah, I think of him not a striker, he's a winger. As just as average as uh, one Rudy just said. But uh, yeah... I, he does. Uh, I think he's been playing up front for Wales uh, mostly. But he did grab a goal against Slovakia, and I mean, if he's on a free, I'd consider him as a compliment, not an upgrade to Rudy. What? Yeah, why not? Why not take someone on a free? <laughs> yeah, why not take? I know him? I was complaining about Kieran Richardson, but this is a different different situation. And the pros and cons he's about five that. years younger. Yeah, yeah, I'd uh, definitely go for that then, uh, age-wise. But pros and cons of Hal robson Carney, he's not past it. He's pretty fast. He's Welsh. Um, cons, there's not many cons. He's just a bit part player. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he can't really hurt you if he's not always on the pitch. You know, you, he's going to start some games, but he's not your first choice. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, left wing, right wing, or center forward. But if someone's hurt in the wrong spot and he can fill in there, why not? Yeah, he's going to run around and sometimes he's going to score he had 3 goals and 7 assists and 28 championship appearances last year so 
He's not a familiar, not unfamiliar with attacking. Good guy. And uh, I think I've already answered. It's a control alt delete of relegation. Actually, a good thing for this team. That's why Daniel Daniel Betridge at Daniel Betridge on Twitter. Yeah, man, they've moved completely on, and I think the worst thing to do is dwell. Uh, teams dwell, and they get haunted by it. They can never get over that. Dwelling on relegation yeah. is one of the worst things we can do. Yeah, I mean, really, it was, it was scary, and then maybe Lerner actually did it the right way, wait till we went down, got a good buyer who's going to do everything he can to make Villa the best club in the world, apparently. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, man. even if he doesn't, I'm yeah, sure... Too. Yeah, he can still become a hero. He gets a rebuild instead of being on that tightrope of the Premier League. And he gets rid of Eric Black, finally. One, yeah. Basically one final thought. A thankless because... task that he performed uh, to, you know, not very well. Not very well at all. Uh, you know, he can't Parking be... the boss. Yeah, really rocked the boat with uh, Yoris Akore. Um, so yeah, it looks like he actually could end up staying. So amazing, yeah, amazing turnaround. Um, but I think we'd rather see a lot more people just go, uh, just so we can free up space for some new faces that Villa desperately need. Exactly, and it's it's been a positive start. We addressed it kind of at the beginning of the show um, with Burnmouth's former captain Tommy Elphick joining. So, yeah, you know, I don't. Good. Yeah, everything's looking good, like you're saying, James. And if you if you missed it. There's the fixture against Luton Town was announced in the Football League Cup for next season. Yeah. So I think I think that's really the, the last bit of Villa news that we have for you. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, pretty much time to plug some good stuff that you've had. Uh, Jack, Jack's been writing about, it, obviously, the Copa America across various sites, uh, including Pace Soccer, I believe. And um, our Alex Carson had a very, very, very interesting article about his heritage in Croatia, with Croatia. How their fans acted the other day. I mean, we all saw it when they took flares on the pitch. And uh, especially when I heard this bang, I wasn't really looking. I thought, oh, God, has the worst happened? You know, what we were all expecting to happen to these stadiums in France happened. But I was just chucking flares on the pitch and, you know, it was in a protest. At the officials, you know, if yeah. you're going to burn yourself with a flare in your section, that's your prerogative. I'm not going to stop you. But yeah, um, they've suffered a lot with uh, the way their football association runs in their country. And the only way they could get anyone to see was uh, causing a bang at uh, Euro 2016. Um, the- you know, it's, yeah, I'm, and I'm surprised more people haven't talked about Romania, where a lot of clubs um, don't release players, actually, and don't pay them. So, yeah, a bit weird. Something kind that, of yeah, really terrible. But yeah, yeah. Um, and more things need to be done about a lot of things in football and you know we can say all the stuff we want to about those Croatia fans who chucked the flares on the pitch and you know it's awful that someone could have got hurt but hey no one's listening to these guys you know as soon as this tournament finishes they just go back into that shell somewhere you know in the Balkans and they just stay there and no one cares yeah and especially the, the better they do it it makes their organization looks like they yeah, have I everything mean, together so you know it, it almost gets swept under the rug too yeah, best thing and worst thing is they could win this very well, win this tournament, but then no one listens to them and they go back home and no one cares about this football league and no one cares what's happening to the country and they're just there and not being listened to. And you know, as a football fan, you, you want to be important to your FA, your football association, not just this uh, commodity. And uh, fair play for them. I mean, I'm glad that no one got seriously injured in what happened and uh, scenes did turn ugly. But hey, if you're not going to stick up for yourself, who is? Especially if you're from a country like Croatia where, you know, outside of football, and, you know, in the, this Western Western Europe, no one cares. It's yeah, like, exactly. It's that's a good point. So, um, I don't know. The the Euros and and Copa have been very exciting, and 
yeah, like you're saying, I, I, I'm writing for Pace Soccer and as a Bundesliga fanatic as well. I had a piece on Messi on my own site. Ooh. That was really fun to watch Messi. Yeah. And man. yeah, you know, so it's it's been a fun Copa. Yeah, it's been a good few weeks uh, just to get away from Villa and watch football actually happen instead of being tortured by by uh, something you love. Yeah, basi- basically meaningless, and it's like you're saying it was a chore. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's so good when football doesn't mean something. You can watch it because you get to see amazing feels, things like Wales, you know, take it to Slovakia and England score in the last minute, and Northern Ireland, you know, hold back this barrage of shots by Germany just to qualify, then the Republic steal a win against Italy. You know, mad things happen when you don't care, and so it's so good to just watch this all unfold. Yeah, so we're we're just hoping you're enjoying your summer of football as much as we are. So it was it was great to be back with James for this. It's kind of a crossover episode, of course, between the whole cast and on the pod, my lord. So if you're not caught up on James's show, make sure to do that. I don't think we're going to be back next week. Robert is almost finished with his current job but we are going to be back yeah we are going to be back of course in july and we're getting some guests prepared for the show so that's good got some got some good stuff in store for all of our loyal listeners so next week um me ellis and adam will be talking on on the pod my lord about what's happened so far at the euros and we'll be looking to wrap up the round of 16 and the group stages as we look to take it to the uh, quarter quarterfinals and you know the finale finale of the tournament, so it's all yeah. And you'll good. you'll have the the result of the Copa final on Saturday between or excuse me, the third place game on Saturday is the United States against Colombia a rematch of actually the tournament's opening game, and then Sunday Argentina against Chile a rematch of last year's Copa America final that was in Santiago, Chile. Of course, yeah, sounds good. So yeah, if I mean obviously if you're listening to us. You've you've known where to find us before, so continue to do so and continue to interact with us on Twitter. We love getting all your questions. Thanks for those and thanks for liking us on Facebook. So for James Rushton, I'm Jack Grimsey and we'll see you next time on the Holtcast. <laughs>